This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم ولما فصلت العير قال أبوهم إني لا أجد ريح يوسف لولا أن تفندون قالوا تالله إنك لفي ضلالك القديم I attempt this evening to present to you lessons that I've come to learn from ayahs number 94 and 95 of Surah Yusuf. These are the ayat where now the scene has changed the last time that we had our session in uh, talking about ayah number 93 we were in Egypt and Yusuf alayhi salam was telling his brothers take this shirt of mine and you know cast it on the face of my father uh, now meanwhile all the way back in Canaan in Canaan where Jacob is where Yaqub alayhi salam is we find him speaking so first let me translate both of these ayat and then we'll discuss a little bit of analysis with them walamma fasalat al-eer and when the caravan took off separated um, you can even say when the caravan detached itself from the city qala abuhum inni la ajiduri hayusuf their father said there is no doubt about it i absolutely fi- i'm finding the scent of yusuf or the wind which here represents scent of yusuf lawla antu fannidun uh, had it not been, and I'll translate literally for now and not explain yet, had it not been for the fact that you will consider me senile and senseless. So there's a strange had it not been that we're going to have to break down. They said, and we don't know who they are, right? Uh, clearly not the brothers because they're still in Egypt. So they said, we swear to God, no doubt about it, you certainly are in your old your old confusion or your old delusion, uh, your old misguidance. So that's these are the two ayat that we're going to look at today. Uh, the first thing that uh, I think should be brought up is obviously, you know, the stories in the Quran, they move very quickly, right? So, you know, we have a few exchanges between the brothers and this is a conversation happening in Egypt and now all of a sudden, split second, we are in the house of Yaqub and he's saying, I find Yusuf sent, even, you know, had it not been that you think I'm crazy and all of that, this exchange is happening. So for us, it's happening as, as a reciter is reciting and we're listening, it's happening in a matter of seconds. But the important thing, let's start with the word fasal al-fusul, because um, the, Arabic, the Arabic here doesn't say when the caravan arrived. So it's not, you know, وَلَمَّا جَاءَتِ الْعِيرُ or أَتَتِ الْعِيرُ or أَقْبَلَتِ الْعِيرُ There are other words that could have been used for the arrival of the caravan because they've taken off from Egypt, they're making their way to Canaan, whatever that distance is. Actually, I asked our study group to see if any biblical research exists on the, you know, because um, Bible scholars are really interested in maps and geographies and things like that. If they have any sort of distance mapping of... Uh, you know, where they, where Canaan was and where supposedly the government houses in Egypt were at the time and what the distance may have been. So they may have done some research on this stuff. Muslims have different takes on this uh, among our Mufassirun. It was a 30-day journey. It was, you know, a certain number of 
units. I forget the units they mentioned, or it was a three-day journey. So there's different variations of it. But I wanted to, it would be interesting to compare what is found in you know biblical scholarly research on the subject anyway. But regardless, that's that's a side issue. The point is they're a pretty fa- pretty far ways away, right? And the word fasl, which I'm not, I'm not translating as when the caravan arrived or when the caravan was approaching. Actually, fasl is used originally for when the, the space between joints where you can distinguish that this was one bone and that's a separate bone. Like when you slaughter an animal, the the, the space between the joints where the two bones meet together, that's actually called a fasl. And from it, figuratively, the idea of re- leaving somewhere, like in Siraf or the Hab, that kind of got associated with the word fasl. Fasl is literally separation. Like when something becomes distinct from itself. So let me give you the uh, image of when a ship is loaded on the dock, it looks like it's part of the dock because it's connected, right? It's anchored and it's there's stairs going through it. There's these planks and stuff like that. So it's literally connected. And then when they lift the anchors and they lift the planks, it's, it's doing fasl. It's separating itself. So what used to look like one physical body, entity, and connected, now it's separating. The imagery here is the trade caravan that came, the Eir, the loaded caravan of lots of people that came to Egypt. It wasn't just Yusuf and his brothers. It was the entire caravan that, that they joined in. Now that caravan is leaving back, and it could also be that the that Yusuf, السلام, because now the truth has come out, they don't have to travel with a trade caravan. Maybe there's an official entourage of servants and security guards and you know, things like that, that are now going with a procession all the way to receive Yaqub who is obviously the prime minister's son or prime minister's father. So they're going to give him a royal welcome and they're going to bring him back with this royal entourage. So it's a large group and that's why the word Eid is used. But the idea is Fasala means as they just left town or as they just departed. You know, like nowadays, obviously we're not boarding ships much, but like on planes when when they lift the jet bridge and they, they disconnect the jet bridge and they, they close the gate and the, the, the first movement of the plane before even it takes off, that would be the moment of fasl. So this is important because theoretically they're weeks away from reaching Kanaan, but the moment the gate bridge disconnected, the moment the caravan started moving, here you have hundreds of miles away, maybe more, Yaqub uh, alayhi saying, I'm finding Yusuf sent. Like he didn't find it when they were around the corner. Like, because you know the ayat are moving so fast. So you would think this happened as they approached, then he smelled it, and then this was said, and then this was said. No, 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 no. This is weeks before the caravan got there. He's already feeling the scent. He can smell the scent of Yusuf. And there's no mention of a shirt. He's just, I can feel the scent of Yusuf. So that's the first thing that I wanted to bring to your attention. Before I get to the latter part, the little bit involved part of this ayah, um, I wanted to share with you some narrations about how this has been explained. He finds the scent of Yusuf. Uh, in classical literature, in Artafasir, um, there's even a hadith whose authenticity can be questioned. Um, and it's clear that it's questioned because the you know a huge number of our mufassirun generally didn't take this hadith they didn't accept it as part of their explanation some did and many didn't but i'll still cite it to you so you're appreciative of what's been said to explain this phenomenon of him finding the wind and then i'll share some insights of my own or some thoughts of my own with you also so let's start 
وقال مجاهد هبت ريح فصفقت القميص ففاحت روائح الجنة في الدنيا واتصلت بياقوب فوجد ريح الجنة فعلم عليه السلام أنه ليس في الدنيا من ريح الجنة إلا ما كان من ذلك القميص فمن ثم قال إني لا أجد ريح يوسف So he says that this is actually a wind that originates in heaven This is Mujahid's opinion okay? This is a wind or a scent that originates in heaven And Yaqub somehow knew that this scent that does not belong in this world It comes from Jannah itself, it comes from heaven itself Can only belong to that shirt So somehow there's an association being made with the shirt and the scent that can only come from Jannah That doesn't belong in this world and when he sent, when he smelled that smell, he knew that that shirt is around, which by association meant that Yusuf is around. And therefore he said, I find the window. And then obviously saying that needs more explanation. How can a shirt have the scent of the perfume of heaven, of Jannah? So there's a, that, that weak narration I was referring to. Let's talk about that. narrates with his isnad attributing to Anas ibn Malik and Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Attributing this to the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi The Prophet Sallallahu was describing Take the shirt of mine, cast it on my father's face He'll become, he'll restore sight uh, That Nimrod meaning the great king that claimed to be God in the time of Abraham, the great-grandfather, uh, when he cast him into the fire, Jibreel, Gabriel, descended on Abraham, Ibrahim with cushioning, seeding from heaven, and a shirt from heaven. So he, as he was being thrown in the fire, this hadith suggests that there is a shirt that was given to Ibrahim by Jibreel, and a cushion, a seeding, a comfort, comforted seeding by Jibreel alayhi salam to him delivered from Jannah while he's in the fire. So he dressed him in the shirt, meaning uh, Jibreel put the shirt on Ibrahim alayhi salam. And he sat him on that comforted seating. And he sat with him, just having conversation with him. Then Ibrahim alayhi salam put the shirt on Ishaq. He passed it down to Ishaq, basically, is what it's saying. Okay, and the same shirt was cut. You know, he uh, Ishaq adorned his son Yaqub, and then he put that shirt on Yaqub. He passed it out as a memento of the grandfather, the miraculous shirt that came from heaven. Yaqub Yusuf, and Yusuf Yaqub gave it to Yusuf. So a piece of it, it seems to suggest that a piece of it was put away in an amulet or some kind of a locket around the neck. So not the whole shirt, but a piece of it was put inside a you know locket, and he had it. Uh, so and he he hung it in his shirt like a locket that he was wearing. And when he was thrown in the well, well kamisu fi So the piece of that shirt was still on his neck, meaning the shirt they took was a regular shirt, but the piece of the shirt of Ibrahim salam was still in that locket that was on him. Um, فَذَلِكَ قَوْلُهُ اِذْهَبُوا بِقَمِيسِ هَذَا And that is the explanation of the words, take this shirt of mine, meaning he handed that piece of, of that shirt to give back. وَالتَّحْقِيقُ أَنْ يُقَالَ أَنَّهُ تَعَالَىٰ أَوْصَلَ تِلْكَ الرَّاحِعَ إِلَيْهِ عَلَىٰ سَبِيلِ إِظْهَارِ الْمُعْجَزَاتِ And then it's been said that 
you know, that Allah granted the ability to smell that smell by a way of miracle, which we'll talk about in a, in a minute. Um, and so this is basically one very common explanation of how this wind works and what its origin is. قَالَ أَهْلُ الْمَعَانِي إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَعَالَىٰ أَوْصَلَ إِلَيْهِ رِيحَ يُوسُفَ عَلَيْهِ السَّلَامِ عِنْدًا قِضَاءِ مُدَّةِ الْمِحْنَةِ وَمَجِيءِ وَقْتِ الرُّوحِ وَالْفَرَحِ مِنَ الْمَكَانِ الْبَعِيدِ Now actually this I'll hold off on. Let me explain the other. Why, why did most Mufassirun not take this narration? Obviously there's the issue of authenticity. But Imam Alusi and others also raised another issue um, which is in the language there's no mention of the shirt. There's only mention of I find the scent of Yusuf. And if this is the scent of Jannah, then there's too many jumps. When he says, I find the scent of Yusuf, then he, what he's saying is, I find the scent of Jannah, which is on the remnant that belonged to our father Ibrahim, which was passed down to me, which I gave to Yusuf. Uh, there's a lot of gaps that we have to fill with this explanation. So he says there's too much uh, unnecessary takalluf in explaining or you know going out of the way to explain, to fill in this this uh, alleged gap, but there doesn't have to be a gap. Um, this is simply Allah Azza wa Jal merging the unseen world and the seen world. And that's actually what I want to talk to you about. The ship has left. Yaqub alayhi salam is at home. You would think one explanation is because he's a prophet, Allah revealed to him. Allah could reveal something to your heart, right? Allah could reveal something in your mind. Allah could reveal something in a prophet's dream. There are different modes of revelation. This is very odd compared to other modes of heavenly communication. He can feel this. He can smell the scent of Yusuf. Like it's highlighting one of the physical senses uh, and connecting them to the spiritual world. You see, we there are two realities as far as the Muslim is concerned. There's the physical reality which we perceive from our five senses. And there's the unseen reality that contains jinns and it contains angels and it contains the heaven and hell and it contains the you know the risk descending from Allah Azza wa Jal. It dis, you know it contains you know the the angels rock documenting and the document on which they are writing. All of that's invisible to us. This is the world of the unseen. And the day a day will come where the unseen will become the seen, right? And that day everything that we do see is going to be flipped upside down. So when that becomes real, this will become unreal. <laughs> You know, when that becomes visible, this will become invisible. Mountains will become invisible. The sky will become invisible. It'll get torn apart. But what we learn in surahs like this and stories like this in the Quran, they're dispersed in different places, is that from the unseen world, sometimes Allah impacts the seen reality, physical reality for certain individuals or in certain cases. And as you will see, what I'm more convinced of here is that this isn't necessarily a miracle granted to Yaqub alayhi salam because of prophethood, though it can be argued as such. But the latter part of the phrasing is going to make it clear, I think, that this is actually a reference to um, something that anybody with real faith around him would have had access to. They would have smelled it too. They would have had... Yeah, I smelled that. Like, I'll give you an example from the Prophet's time. Obviously, our messenger meets Jibreel alayhi salam on a regular basis. Quran comes down by way of Jibreel alayhi salam. So they're regularly seeing each other. And there are many times that, you know, camels are sinking into the ground when Quran is coming. The Prophet is sweating on a freezing day. Nobody else can see Jibreel alayhi salam, but he's seeing him. So he's having this direct access to the unseen world that we don't get. But then there are cases in which a man in the middle of a, 
from the desert comes that nobody's ever seen before and he's wearing all white and there's no signs of any travel or disheveled you know appearance on his face uh after a long day of work i look like i got hit by a truck he's traveling through the desert and he looks completely fresh and there's not a drop of sand or a grain of sand on his clothes and he's coming and asking him and then he leaves and it turns out that happened that happened to be jibril alayhi salam so what that means is even the sahaba in some cases had access to the unseen world because they were in the proximity of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. So these two worlds, they do interact with each other. You don't have to think that the unseen world will manifest itself. Its physics, its chemistry, you know, its biology is going to be something we wait for until judgment day. No, actually, it's the way that works sometimes intervenes like the fire becoming cold in the case of Ibrahim salam, in our physical world. It defies the laws of physics and laws of nature, etc. You know, as we understand them. And this isn't limited to prophets. You find in the Quran, Allah describing the, the, the young people of the cave and literally describing that sun rays that would have come and beamed in on their eyes, Allah bent them away from them. Allah bent this, the rays of this, and they're not prophets. So they're receiving divine aid in ways that defies the physical senses, obviously something that has a smell, a shirt that has a smell, even if it's got cologne or perfume on it, you know, if it's like 20 feet away from you, you can't smell it. 10 feet away from you, you can't smell it. If it's in the room next door, you can't smell it. So the distance, if it's 2 miles away or 20 miles away or 100 miles away is irrelevant. But Allah makes it sometimes that you can actually physically be connected to the spiritual world. Your senses, your physical senses are actually connected to that divine realm where Allah commanded the angels to deliver that scent over to the nostrils of Yusuf, of Yaqub and he can, he, can, he can smell it. Now the interesting thing again is, let, let's go a little deeper. The interesting thing here is, he didn't say I smell it. He said I find it. Ajidu, inni la ajidu. First of all, he's certain about it. Like he's like, is that... That smells like Yusuf, what Yusuf used to smell like. No, 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 no. I am certain. Inni. La, I swear by it. La. Ajidu. I am finding. And it's not, I found it. It smelled like him. Like the past tense. No, the present tense. You know what that means? Imagine, like, let me give you a, a weird psychedelic example, but I think it'll make sense to you. It's like, if you smell your favorite dish. Wait, is that? Is that what I think it is? Is that what, is that what mom's cooking? And then you, as you step closer to the house, what happens to the scent? It gets stronger, right? Now, he's not going towards the scent. The scent is coming towards him. And he keeps finding it. And he keeps finding it. You could, you could dismiss it once. You could dismiss it twice. He keeps on finding the scent of Yusuf. And that's why the, the mudari, uh, you know, daliluhu ala al-istimrar, the, the present tense indicates continuity. So the present tense being used here in Nila Ajiduriha Yusuf is as if, oh, it's getting stronger. I keep finding it. Oh, I find it again. I'm picking up the scent of Yusuf would be a figured, good English translation actually. I keep picking up the scent of Yusuf. So he's, he can sense Yusuf alayhi salam's life, that he exists, that he's okay, that he's not covered in blood because that would drown out the smell. It's also a, a very interesting uh, literary, you know, uh, continuity of imagery that uh, Suhaib pointed out, and I love you for it, Suhaib. Um, you found Yusuf, Yaqub being described with, uh, you know, فَهُوَ كَظِيمٌ that he was swallowing. 
you know and in the quran in different places you describe you you find that people that are in distress are described with the tightness of chest and when the prophet sallallahu had distress allah said alam nashrah laka sadrak didn't we expand your chest for you and the idea of the chest expanding is that you can breathe easy and the word for breath is rih and the word for relief from allah is rawh which which is what he told his sons don't lose hope in the rawh that comes from allah don't lose hope in the relieving mercy and the, the care that comes from Allah. And from the same origin comes the word rih, as if I can smell, I can, what's entering my lungs is the relief, the relieving scent of Yusuf. Think of it this way, when someone's inhaling smoke, or if they're close to a fire, like an actual building on fire, and they're inhaling the toxins that are now in the air, the ash that is in the air, their lungs are getting tightened. Their chest, they can't, their chest is getting uncomfortable. It's literally, they can feel it in their heart when they're coughing. You can feel it right here, right? And when the, when the fresh air comes in, there's an openness. Um, some of you guys use like, um, you know, like Vicks type products. This is not an endorsement. But like if you have stuffy nose and stuff like that, there's certain kinds of aromas or certain kinds of scents. When they go inside your nostrils, it opens everything up. It's like his, in, in the spiritual, in the emotional sense, his heart had been closed, tightened. And his heart was in so much distress, even though he was holding on to hope. The tears are real. And all of a sudden, this smell comes and the tears stop. And there's a smile on his face. I can, I can smell Yusuf. And this is the same man who was, you know, وَبْيَضَّتْ عَيْنَاهُ فَهُوَ كَظِيمٌ that his eyes turned white and as he was as he kept on swallowing his sadness ya asafa ala yusuf oh the grief i feel over yusuf i smell it it's getting stronger and there's the the look on his face has changed the tears have dried up allah has given this man alayhi salam joy before the actual joy he hasn't seen his son he hasn't seen a shirt you know, none of that's happened and he's already beginning to feel the relief. And this is a remarkable gift Allah gave to Yaqub and perhaps in this there's a lesson that no matter what kind of impossible distress a believer is feeling, Allah can send something in the wind. Allah can use any of your senses. Allah can show you something in a dream. Allah can give you any kind of sign that the relief is coming and you won't be able to scientifically convince anybody that that's the case. You will just know deep inside your heart that it's going to be okay. Like Allah can give you something as a miraculous sign that is not for you to substantiate over anybody else. Now let's take, a, take pause here and talk about that notion. Are there such things as miraculous interventions from Allah for Muslims and for believers in general? I believe there are. They're called karamat in our tradition. And there are stories of hundreds of thousands of them. People having miraculous experiences of divine intervention in their life. But the thing that's really important to understand is if that has happened to somebody, it happens because they demonstrate a remarkable connection to Allah, an incredible demonstration of patience and perseverance and commitment, bravery. They've made some kind of great sacrifice to defy the seen world in their loyalty to Allah. That's the consistent theme. People that the world was coming at them and they were more concerned about the world they cannot see, the Lord they cannot see, 
the authority, the love they cannot see was a stronger love than the love of things that their eyes could see. The, 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 the fear of the one they cannot see was greater than the fear of things that were in front of them. The draw of the promise of Allah was greater than any draw of any lust or any greed inside of them. Those people that demonstrated that, Allah in many cases intervened, you know, miraculously for them. He opened up doors for them. There are people like that that have, that have found Islam in the most miraculous ways. Because the, they turned to Allah and said, Ya Allah, the world is closing in on me and I could become a person of this world, but I want to stay loyal to you. Find me a way. Give me relief. And Allah will give them relief. But, I keep saying but and I don't finish that thought. But what? But that's not for you to use on a YouTube video for yourself. This is what happened. And, or that's not for you. You know, you know how many emails I get and messages I get for many years about, brother, you, I need to talk to you because I get miracles. And you need to, and I, I've seen in my dream that you must take my miracles and spread them to the world. Thank you. That's really cool. But people who experience that, they don't feel the need to broadcast it. They have such a deep, intimate connection with Allah. They don't need the validation of broadcasting it to the world. They, they don't have that. That's when you know that there's something wrong. That, that may not be spiritual. That might be psychological. <laughs> you know? And so there is a dimension of this that's very, very real. And the people who experience it, the thing about it is you could be as credible as Yaqub a.s. Which he is. He's the grandson of... Ibrahim alayhi salam, he himself is the third line of prophets. He is himself a prophet and that is known. I know from Allah what you do not know is also referenced as prophecy. So him being a prophet. And yet, look at the, the, the latter part of this phrase. Had it not been that you people consider me crazy and senile. In other words, his own family considers him crazy. When he says, I can feel this. Oh God, here he goes again with Yusuf. Oh, now he smells him. Oh, guys, he smells him now. <laughs> and grandpa is so crazy. This is how they are commenting on him. And you know what he says to them? Lawla and tufannidun, leave something off. Had it not been that you consider me senile, had it not been that you consider me rambling, perhaps Allah would have opened your senses to it too. Because your, your spiritual sinuses have to be unclogged before your nostrils are unclogged and you can smell this. There's something missing in your faith. You, even knowing that he's a prophet, talk about him in this way. So why would Allah open this gift to you? Why would he give that to you? And even if they perhaps smelled it, because it's a scent. So he can smell it and he can tell you. They may be going, what's that scent? What's that smell? It's nice. And he says, it's the, it's the scent of Yusuf. Ah, <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? In other words, there are people who can be exposed to the miraculous signs from Allah and because they are predisposed to be skeptical, they've already decided that that doesn't exist for them. Or the signs from Allah, they don't have any relevance. Or this person has no credibility. They've already dismissed you before they even heard you. Then none of the good that was going to come your way, you will have access to. None of that good will have you will have access to. So, لَوْلَا أَنْ تُفَنِّدُونَ had you not had you not considered me insane, you would have found that scent too. You would have just experienced a miracle from Allah. But you want to dismiss it, and that's fine. 
So now on that note, what I want to share with you is, is import, two important things. The people that will dismiss you um, more than anyone else in the Quran's depiction of stories is family. <laughs> the people that will like shortchange you or undermine you or even insult you is family. And one of the lessons we're learning here is that the brothers of Yusuf are gone, they're in Egypt. But they have families, right? Remember Yusuf said, bring your families? So where does Yaqub live? With the rest of the family. So their wives, their children, all of them are there. What is the role of a father? The role of a father is to model speech, manners, behavior for the son, for the daughter. That's They're supposed to model it. What do you do when you face a crisis situation? When every time dad was in trouble, he made two rakah. Every time this happened, he gave sadaq. Our actions are teaching moments for our children. Our, our children are learning from us even when we're not teaching them. They're learning how to eat. They're learning how to put their shoes on. They're learning how to sit in the car. They're learning how to make jokes. Some, some parents, they have a habit of saying certain bad words when they're on a phone call. You'll find your four-year-old saying the same bad words. and You didn't sit and give him a lesson. He's just emulating everything you do. Here's why I'm bringing that up. These brothers of Yusuf were in the habit of insulting dad, calling him crazy, calling him senile, calling him senile. Oh, he goes rambling again. Oh, another lecture, oh, another Islamic lecture. Great dad. You know, they're, they're in the habit of talking to their father in this dismissive way. And guess what? They got married and their wives saw them talking to their father in this dismissive way. And they got kids and these kids saw dad talk to grandpa in this dismissive way. And now they're gone and the only ones left behind are wife and children. And when you, when Yaqub a prophet says, I can send the, smell the sense of, scent of Yusuf, they're calling him crazy. It's not the sons, it's the sons families. Where did they get the license to do that? You pass bad behavior down. You pass disrespect down. That's the legacy they're leaving behind. You know what's crazy to me? They want in the beginning of the story, they wanted his love more than anything else. And what are they passing on to their children? Hate for grandpa. Resentment for grandpa. That's what they're passing down. The irony of it, the hypocrisy of it. So Lawla and Tufandidun also suggested Yaqub alayhi salam in this horrible situation where even when his sons aren't around to abuse him, the extended family is abusive towards him. He can't even express a moment of joy without people shutting him down. People, people commenting and, you know, the, the he, he's not preempting, assuming they're going to call him crazy. They've done it enough times for him to know what their reaction is going to be. So even before they say something, he said, Let me talk to you about fanat because it's not, it's a rare, if not isolated occurrence in the Quran. Findul Jabal, Ashimrahul Azim. It's the when when you know there's mountains that have weird shapes. So when kids draw mountains, they they draw them like this, right? Straight up, like it's a triangle. But sometimes mountains have an odd rock sticking out, like a you know, like a bud sticking out or a ledge sticking out all the way. And if there's an earthquake, that's the part that'll crack and fall off. Like that's the weak part of the mountain, because it's not secured by the rest of the shape of the mountain. Uh, similarly, the word find or fanad uh, or fund is used. Well, a branch sticking out of the tree. Now, the bark of the tree is strong, 
but the branch can be broken. The bark can't be broken, but the branch can be broken. So the idea of fund or find is something that can easily snap off, easily torn off. It's weak. And that entails that it's weak. So the mountain is strong, but that ledge is weak. Don't stand on that ledge. You know, sometimes when you go to tourist attractions, they'll say, don't stand on these rocks. These are falling rocks. So you're standing on stable rock enough that they can build a resort on it. But there are some parts of the rock that'll just, that's the fund of it or the thind of it. Okay. So kafindil jabal. Anyway, so they say al-fanad al-kharaf, it's senility, meaning the person stops using their senses properly, their mind becomes weak. They're not what they used to be. They used to be a mountain. Now they're that weak part of the, you know, and because of old age when the mental faculties start becoming uh, you know, uh, weaker and weaker. So your memory starts going away or you start having short-term memory loss or you start rambling or you start acting like a child. So and it can be used for other than old age also. And mufanna, the person who suffers from tafneed is someone who's any on any issue, they say the the weakest things. They say senseless things. Wa in kana al jismi, even if they were physically able. Wa daiful jismi in kana ra'ihu sadidan, and it could also be someone who's physically incapable, even if they're sound of mind. So either sound of mind and weak of uh, body, or weak of mind and sound of body, all called tafneed. Wa fanna ra'ihu, and to consider somebody else's statement or their opinion. Mufannad, what does that mean? Da'afahu walamahu, to consider it weak, senseless, and to consider it blameworthy. Bayyana da'afahu wa adana sihatihi, as if to explain how someone, something's, when something being said by someone is crazy and makes no logical sense. Lawla an tufannidun, wal fanad aydan bit tahrik al kathib. And fanad also means to, to a lie or a worthless statement. So, kalamun la qimata lahu, a speech that has no value whatsoever. Could mean, based on what I've said so far, what could it mean? It could mean, even though you think I'm an old man, that's just rambling. Even though you think I'm being childish when I speak like this. Even though you think my comment, my, my speech doesn't make any sense. Yeah, sent of you, get over it, old man, he's dead. Like that speech that nobody should hear or pay any, just don't pay attention to him. He just keeps talking. He's just, he's just having one of his moments. Kalamun la qimata lahu. So to consider somebody a liar or to consider somebody, you know, rambling. So this is just additional commentary on the word find, meaning it refers to something partial. He's only a remnant of what he used to be. He's not as old. He's a shell of what he used to be. He's not that person anymore. He doesn't deserve respect. That man who deserved respect died a long time ago. This is just uh, you know the, the, the shadow, empty shadow or empty shell of him. And that's also kind of implied inside to Fandidun. Um, they use the word for when time withers something away. Shaykhun Mufannad, an old man whose Mufannad is when his no, 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 no thing that he says makes any sense. Now, why did I take so much time to describe this, uh, uh, you know, this, this expression? Because I wanted to illustrate to you the irony. Um, you've got Allah delivering a scent to bring relief to the heart of Yusuf, alayhi salam, 
from the royal halls of Egypt to this hut in Canaan out of the VIP treatment Allah is giving Yaqub So as far as Allah is concerned, Yaqub is worthy of angels delivering the sense so he can feel relief. That's the kind of VIP he is. And yet while that is happening, people around him consider him and the things he says worthless. And you see the irony? How high Allah has honored him and how low he is considered by the people around him? All at the same time. This is yet another example in the Qur'an of the definition of human value. Allah gave human beings value. People take value away from you. People dismiss you or devalue you. And no matter how much people devalue you, when your relationship with Allah stays strong, bonded, then it doesn't matter what you call me. It doesn't matter how you think of me. I honor my Rabb and my Rabb has honored me. And I have the, that honor lives inside me regardless of your words. When my connection with Allah becomes weak, then sometimes humiliation comes my way. And when humiliation comes my way, maybe Allah is reminding me, you need to find your honor again, but don't look for it in people. Go find it with me. نَحْنُ قَوْمٌ أَعَزَّنَ اللَّهُ بِالْإِسْلَامِ وَإِنِ ابْتَغَيْنَ الْعِزَّ مِنْ غَيْرِهِ أَذَلَّنَ اللَّهُ Umar bin al-Khattab said, we are a people, Allah gave us honor by our surrender to Him, by Islam. And if we seek honor and dignity in anything else, Allah will humiliate us. Yaqub is not looking for respect or validation from his family, from the people who humiliate him. He has that from Allah Azza wa Jal. It still hurts him when, he, when they do that, but they can't take his honor away. They can't take his dignity away. They can hurt him. We're still human, it's still gonna hurt. But you won't internalize that if they think I'm worthless, therefore I'm worthless. If they think I'm crazy, therefore I'm crazy. If they think I'm wrong, therefore I'm wrong. Because you know when people say that to you over and over again, you start internalizing it and accepting that for yourself. No, no, no. He, you can call me all the crazy you want. I know my Rabb has sent me the, the scent of Yusuf. Inni la ajidu riha Yusuf lawla an tufannidun. So um, now we come to this uh, response of this. How did they respond to, and you know, I should have uh, emphasized this a little bit more before I go on, so I, I'll take a moment to do that. We have to be really careful what example we set for our children. And sometimes we have conflict. Sometimes a husband doesn't like a wife. Or, you know, brothers don't like each other or whatever. And you find joy when you use your children to insult them or to undermine them. Or when a mother trains her, her kids to listen to her, but when dad says something, dismiss it, and every time they dismiss him, she feels a little victory inside. Or vice versa, the father makes it, puts the mother down so much that the kids are in the habit of dismissing the mother. Your disagreement with your wife, your disagreement with your husband, or ex-wife or ex-husband, your disagreement with any family, don't use children as pawns to play your game. It's disgusting. And you know why I'm saying that? Because it's a reality. When children are used that way, when they're manipulated that way, when hatred is sowed into them, that was shaitan sowed it into you, so you want to make sure you pass that on as an inheritance. Look at Yusuf alayhi What's he doing? 
he knows that the wrong, the actual wrong has been done by the brothers. So he says, I want to meet all the family. He's not holding anything against the family, right? But look at what, what happens in our families. Look at what happens in the society around us. We're the Muslims, we're the people of Quran. But this is a reality. People use others to, to you know, and in, especially children. You could be feeding children, clothing them, giving them schooling. But if you're instilling these poisonous manners in them, you are poisoning them. You are infecting them with a virus. You are destroying their lives. You are destroying their character. What kind of adults are they going to grow up to be? When you're poisoning their sense of right and wrong, the sense of respect. You don't respect someone, therefore you're teaching them to disrespect. That's what they did with Nuh People used to disrespect him, and then they used to raise their kids to come and bring and disrespect him. You know, and that was passed down. What are we? That's a real danger to pass down dismissive, disrespectful behavior, to pass down spite, to, to, to pass down, you know, these ugly qualities that are the furthest things from a Muslim. This this deen, you know, inni bu'ithu, you know, li'utammima makarim al-akhlaq, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, our beloved says, I was sent so I can, so I can perfect the most noble manners. Does that look like noble, noble manners in the name of family feuds? Because this is a family feud at the end of the day, right? There's a reason this has been brought up. And even, it can get so bad that they don't even realize they're talking to a prophet. The kids are being raised making fun of a prophet. Muslim kids in the house of a prophet. And they're doing that. Isn't that wild? And they won't stop. They won't stop. So you, now you read this next ayah. They said, We swear to God. Ah, that's been passed down too. Because the last few times we read Tallahi, it was the brothers who said it. And now the family is using Tallahi in the same dismissive way that they used it. Even that's been passed down. That's crazy. In other words, not only is religion passed down from generations, if you are engaged in the abuse of religion, the misuse of religion, the misuse of the name of Allah, then that's passed down too. Just like when you are being judgmental of someone or you're shaming someone, you say, Astaghfirullah. Astaghfirullah means I seek Allah's forgiveness. Astaghfirullah is not an Islamic slap on someone's face. But when you pass that on and your 10-year-old goes, Astaghfirullah, you guys. <laughs> that's... That's the furthest thing from manners. It's Islamic words, but it's more like an Islamic corpse with no soul inside. That's, it looks like religious words that has no soul. That's not what this religion is. So look at the, the, even the beginning. Oh, we swear to God. Remember I told you ta'as used with Allah in the most extreme cases. And you know what's even more crazy to me? that I, It just dawned on me. Tallahi's occurrence in the Quran, historically the first use of Tallahi, as recorded in the Quran at least, in its citations, is Ibrahim alayhi Their great-grandfather used this word when he was frustrated against idols. Man, you should have respect for your grandfather and what he used this for. <laughs> and his great loyalty to Allah. And you are, you are honored to be in his household to honor, your, your, to honor our father and our grandfather and you know, our, our parents' honor is already something sacred in the religion. You don't have to be a prophet to be deserving of respect. Even if he wasn't a prophet, to talk to him this way was way out of line. Way out of line. And then on top of all of that, to tr for, for you to talk to a prophet this way, and then say what? You are still lost in your old delusion, your ancient delusion. 
you know, you have to go several decades back, a couple of decades back, when those men were young, the brothers of Yusuf, the sons of Yaqub, the sons of Jacob were young. What did they say? La Yusufu wa akhuhu ahabu ila abina minna wa nahnu usba. Inna abana lafi dalalim mubin. Our dad, Yusuf, and his brother are more are dearer to dad than we are. Our dad is clearly lost in confusion. He's clearly openly, it's very obvious that he's a lost cause. And now a next generation using the same insult? The same, can you see, feel the pain of that? That the, the Yaqub heard these things. And you know, it's actually gotten worse because they used to say this behind his back. The first reference of it was behind his back. Now they're saying it to his face. So <laughs> instead of things getting better, things are getting worse. So what we're learning then is if a bad mannerism isn't addressed in a generation, it won't be the same bad mannerism. It'll mutate and metastasize and it will be much, much bigger. It will be far worse. They were at least, they weren't speaking to him with his face in that way. But now, even his kids just directly, you're in your old confusion. In other words, that confusion has been something that's been talked about and the parents have you know, these sons have taught their, the, the, the sons of Yaqub have taught their own children that dad was confused about this and he just went crazy and he doesn't believe us and he's just lost. And they've taught the lie. They passed the lie down. This our, our family history is a lie. And in all of that, they validate that the father must be, the, grand, the grandpa must be crazy. So let's talk a little bit about the commentary of the Mufassirun on this. Dolal here means insanity. You're in your old craziness. So Dalal, not just misguidance or being lost or deluded, you're insane. Uh, Khadada says they've said something so filthy, so vile, that it's not appropriate for the likes of them to be saying to the likes of him. And they probably said that because they were so convinced that after they dropped him in the well, that he was in fact dead. They left him for dead. Alusi. In other words, man, when will you realize that that's over with? You are so drowned in Yusuf. You are in your old delusion. It's like you're, you're drowning and you can't get out of that you know, fake reality where Yusuf is still alive, you love him too much to accept the facts. Maqatil says that the word Dalal here means a shaqa wal ana, distress and misery. Citing from, you know, in Al-Muttaqeen al-Fi wa Su'ur. In other surah in the Quran, uh, uh, misguidance is associated with misery. You're in your old misery. You're making yourself miserable. Why are you torturing yourself? You know, that, that's the other Fi al Qadib. Ibn Ashur, Abdalal al Burdu and a Tariqil Musila, while Mana and Naka Mustamirun fit the Labuthi be the Talubi Shayim and Ghairi Tariqa. You are still barking up the wrong tree. You're still going up that road that's a dead end. Can you stop? Can you just come to your senses? You know? So even when the sons are gone and they were angry at him and they had that outburst towards him. You can also now imagine when they had that outburst when he says, I'm only complaining to Allah. I'm not taking my, my pain to you. I'm taking it to Allah. 
that maybe the other kids were listening, other family was listening. And when they're gone and he says, I sent the, re, the, the scent of you, I, I sense the scent of you. So that now they're, they're back. You're still confused. Our parents, our dad didn't teach you enough. He didn't straighten you out yet. Like it's like that with him. What this also teaches us is that Allah will bring a relief. But you have to understand that your closeness to Allah does not mean, and that, that Allah has honored you, does not mean that the people around you will honor you. That you can be in a very hostile situation for a very long time. This is Allah also acknowledging the reality of emotional and psychological abuse and torment, you know, which is different from physical abuse. Yaqub is living in torment, and one of his torments is that he lost his children. The other, and most importantly Yusuf, but the other torment is that he is sur surrounded by these kinds of people that talk to him in this way. They're, they're, both of these are, you know, pretty terrible torments on their own. But this is a combination of both of them that he lives in. And he's one of the most beloved slaves of Allah. What that means then is Allah doesn't hate you if you find yourself in that kind of a hostile environment. That's not why you're in that environment. That is not the position of Yaqub salam. Allah will give him, Allah will send him the scent, this rih, which is in it may be the rawh of Yusuf salam. And the last thing I'll share with you, because inshallah the, in the next uh, ayah, all of this is going to come to pass. And by the way, this, this seems like, okay, check this out. Uh, he said, you know, he said he finds the scent. They said, you're lost. Quick ayat. Done. Next. Tomorrow, inshallah. When the giver of good news came. You know what that sounds like? Split seconds. It just happened. No, 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 no. Remember, the caravan just left when this conversation started. And every step the caravan takes, the scent gets stronger. And he can't help but be feel the joy. The man who's been crying all these years is getting happier and happier before the caravan's already there. And when people's, he's in a good mood. I can send you, it's okay, you can call me crazy. That's fine, you can do that. It's all right. And that abuse, and his, despite that abuse, his internal joy that was sent from Allah continues for weeks on end. And the more he does it, the more annoyed they are. The more annoyed they are. They, they're, this tallahi, this frustration. My problem is, if you think that he is lost, if you think that he is deluded, why do you have to respond? Why do you have to get offended? Leave him be. Why do you have to say anything? You know, a believer, what the Prophet told us, then he should stay, he should say something good or stay quiet. You calling him lost or confused, and all, what does that serve? It doesn't serve anything. But it does give you an insight into certain people, certain kinds of thinking people have. Because some people cannot see you have a moment of joy. They, they can't. I have to remind you that you're crazy. That you don't have a place to be, be happy. They need to see you the way they want, they want to mold you. Some people need control over a situation. And for some people, they, they get addicted to getting a kick out of other people's misery. They want to down on somebody else's happiness. If they see somebody happy, they have to make a comment that takes it away. They have to... Because <laughs> you, can't, you can't just leave him be. If you really think he's lost and confused and he's still senile, and because that's been going on for years, so you know what? Maybe there's no reason for you to talk to him. You can withhold your opinion. But the fact that you're so frustrated 
why are you so why are you so why is his emotional state and his alleged rambling why is it hitting you so hard why is it hurting you so much because shaitan is like that shaitan can if a disease that shaitan can infect into someone is that they get irritated at somebody else's joy when someone else is even a little bit relieved why are you happy why do you get to no you're lost you're you have to dismiss and multiply by zero you have to undo that in some way you know this is this is a, a, a really negative kind of mindset that permeates and people think well i'm just telling the truth no the old man needs to hear that he's just crazy i don't know why he doesn't get it why don't you get that you need to <laughs> leave him alone he says, Even if you consider me insane, I'm going to say this. Even if you think I'm senile, I know I sense that scent. And how amazing is it going to be when he's going to get proven right and they're all going to feel real smart. That's going to come tomorrow, inshallah. That scene where it's all going to come to pass. Those weeks of insults and the weeks of, ah, oh, it's getting stronger. I find it more now. It's all over now. It's, I can sense it everywhere now. That scent getting stronger is actually going to lead to finally Al-Bashir. When we're going to see that, that's going to be an incredible thing. That's going to be an episode by itself. Which is why I left it out instead of 94 to 96. I just wanted to do 94 to 95. His joy and their irritation at his joy together. And now, inshallah, in 96, we're going to go, you know, go back. And uh, there's one, I know something came to mind, so I might as well say it. It's ten, I'll take one minute and be done with it. And that is uh, what's called mob mentality. Or collective thinking. There are lots of members in that family. There are wives, there are children. There's there's lots of people, but you you find the Quran is silent on anybody coming and giving him any kind of comfort. It's impossible to think all of them hated him, all of them found him crazy. There were some people that sympathized with him. Maybe there were some children that were kind to him. It's possible, right? We can't assume that all of them were bad. But you know what? When you have an overwhelming bullying mentality and culture inside of a family, inside of a group, then even the people who mean well are silenced. And they can't be seen as giving relief because then they'll be the next targets of one's bullying. So when you isolate someone and you bully them, then the tactic is you create such a scary aura around them that you will be scared to, anybody will be scared to give them any comfort because they're, oh, you're crazy too, huh? You're crazy too? So they're so scared of, them being the next target, because they know what it's like to be picked on. Literally, like a pack of wolves, ironically. Right? So then, even if you're not going to attack, you still can't console. You still can't do that. And that's, that's a scary thing, that when a scary environment like that is created, where even when you feel bad for someone being abused in your family, you don't speak up because you don't want to be the next target. And that's when you have to remember, they counsel to the truth. And they counsel the patience, meaning when you stand by the truth, when you do the right thing, then you will be in trouble and you'll have to be patient. You'll have to persevere. You have to stand up to the wrong thing. You can't be a silent protester. Quran says in a different context, he says, among you there are people who listen to the wrongdoing. They just listen to it. They observe it as, 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 as audiences. And Allah knows all the wrongdoers, meaning all of you, the silent listeners who did nothing about it, and the ones that are engaging the abuse are all wrongdoers. They're all wrong. It's not good enough to feel something in your heart. That's not good enough. So when something is wrong is happening, 
you and I are answerable for standing up and, and saying the right thing. May Allah give us the courage to make things upright in our families. May Allah give us the kind of connection to Allah that He will bring some kind of relief to us when we are in a time of distress. And may Allah never put us in a trial that is too much for us to bear or impacts our faith in a way that, that takes us away from our closeness to Him. Barakallahu li wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Hakim wa nafa'ni wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikl al-Hakim. This is going to be a lot smoother. Okay, watch.